Gracious God, let these words be more than words. Give us the Spirit of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Months ago, when we noticed that Easter was on April 1st, I promised my husband Ellis two things. I would tell this joke on Easter, and that I would give him credit as the author of the joke. (laughs) Here it goes. You thought Jesus was dead? April Fools! Whatever brought you to Holy Communion this morning, we are glad that you are here. Some of you are here because your parents made you come. That's a good thing. It's good to build up political capital at home. You might need it later. Some of you are here because you heard we're doing the Hallelujah Chorus, and with brass, good for you, sing out. Some of you are here because it is Easter and you are supposed to go to church on Easter and perhaps you feel a little awkward, that's okay. We're glad you're here. If you need help navigating this ancient liturgy, someone nearby can help. Whatever brought you here today, welcome. We're glad you are here. Happy Easter. I apologize for the joke earlier. Not for telling one, but for how bad it was. (laughs) It turns out, though, that the first half of the joke is pretty good theology. You thought Jesus was dead? Mark's Gospel, the oldest scriptural account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, leaves us with a bit of a question. Those brave women come to the tomb a little flustered. They're concerned less about their safety than about that heavy stone. But when they reach the tomb, more questions arise. The stone is already rolled back. The tomb is empty. Who is this young man? Why are the disciples to head back to Galilee? Mark's Gospel, the oldest version of this story, leaves us with a question, with an empty tomb, and with a little fear. What does all of this mean? Other Gospels fill in some of the details. I'll say something about them in a moment. But I don't want to give up Mark's sense of open questions quite yet. I often wonder whether resurrection is a truth too big for the mind to handle all at once. Easter is full of contradictions. The story of Jesus' death is a story of pain, of suffering, of betrayal, denial, and violence. Jesus dies at the hands of a cruel state. He is executed by empire. Easter comes as a shock. Good Friday, in the wisdom of the world, should have been the end of the story. The might of the Roman army, the power of the government, popular opinion, all aligned against Jesus at the end of his ministry. Jesus turned over the tables of the temple. Jesus upset the status quo with his preaching and his healing. So the authorities charged, tried, and convicted him. Jesus was the victim of imperial violence. The cross was an instrument of execution designed to silence dissent. 
the cross, the symbol of torture, becomes for Jesus' movement today a symbol of resistance, of life, in what is still in so many ways a Good Friday world. Too many people still suffer like Jesus. Too many die at the hands of the state. Too many suffer. Too many hate. Too many kill. We still live in many ways in a Good Friday world. And Easter comes as a strange contradiction. The might of empire, violence, oppression, the cold of winter despite present appearances will not have the last word. For the members of Jesus' movement, that is the strange contradiction of Easter. Death does not have the last word. To quote the preacher William Sloan Coffin, Easter is the triumph of seemingly powerless love over loveless power. Easter is a contradiction, a fitting one for April 1st. Yes, Jesus was killed by hate. Jesus died. Yes, but the resurrection is a truth encountered. In the first written report of a resurrection encounter, fear, confusion, and amazement are the resulting emotions. The brave women run from the empty tomb. You thought Jesus was dead. Resurrection is more than just a name for what happened to Jesus after his death. In Christian teaching, resurrection is about more than Jesus. Jesus is the firstborn of the resurrection. Resurrection is a principle bigger than the story of Easter morning. As our preacher at last night's vigil just a few hours ago reminded us, the Reverend Beth Scriven, she said, Resurrection is harder than we expected, harder than we wish it were. The resurrection is a promise. Resurrection also makes demands. The young man dressed in a white robe says to the women, he has been raised, he is not here, go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee, there you will see him. He is not here, go to Galilee. Our presiding bishop in the Episcopal Church, the Most Reverend Michael Curry, he says that Galilee is a way of talking about the world. Go to Galilee. Galilee in the streets of the city, Galilee in our rural communities, Galilee in our hospitals, Galilee in our office places, Galilee where God's children live and dwell, there in Galilee you will meet the living Christ, for he has already gone ahead of you. The resurrection is a demand. Go. Go out to where Jesus has gone ahead of you. Jesus is not here. He's not in the tomb. He is not stopped, petrified. Jesus' movement goes on. God is already living and active and moving. Go get out there and follow after Jesus. In another of the Easter Gospels, Mary Magdalene is the first to see the risen Lord. She tries to embrace him and Jesus stops her. He says, let go. He can't be contained. Just a few hours ago, Jesus laid in the tomb, another victim of loveless power, another dissident silenced, another man of color sentenced to death. 
Just a few hours ago, Jesus was just another human being who spoke up for justice and lost his life. One of so many. And this morning we encounter something amazing, something terrifying, and something world-changing. Jesus is not at the tomb. Jesus has already gone ahead of you. His mission continues. Life is stronger than death. And immediately, Mark's two favorite words, and immediately, Jesus calls for his disciples to go. Get out there. Join me in this work. He doesn't even bother to say behind. He leaves a messenger. The resurrection means that followers of Jesus have good news to proclaim, not only with our lips, but in our lives. Jesus promises to go ahead of us, to send his spirit to empower us in the continuing work, to overcome hate with love, to overcome injustice with justice, to overcome death with life. Go, disciples. Go out to Galilee. Now the other Gospels do fill in the story a little bit. As I said above, John talks about Mary Magdalene meeting Jesus. When she does, at first she thinks he is the gardener. Many of the resurrection stories have this element to them. It it takes a little work to recognize Jesus. We'll hear the story next Sunday of Doubting Thomas. That story tells us there is room for doubt, even among Jesus' closest followers. Even with Thomas's doubt, even with Mary's blindness, even with Peter's denial on his conscience, the stories of encountering Jesus after his resurrection, they all involve lives and paths being changed. We often can't reason our way to a new life. But we can have an encounter, an encounter that changes our direction in an instant. This question of recognizing Jesus, recognizing Jesus, it continues for us today. Where do we see God at work? Where do we see Jesus? In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus tells his followers that he will meet them in the least of these. In the hungry, in the naked, in the sick and imprisoned. Jesus tells his disciples to welcome strangers, to receive little children. The 6th century monk, St. Benedict, said, All are to be greeted as Christ. Where do we see Jesus? Where do we recognize him? Alive, living, and out ahead of us. Where? Spencer Reese is an Episcopal priest and a celebrated poet. In his work, The Road to Emmaus, Reese writes at length about his relationship with his first sponsor from Alcoholics Anonymous, AA, the man that Spencer Reese calls Durrell. As he describes his sponsor, two consistent themes develop. The first, Durrell's life has become painfully small. Durrell is near the end of his life when he becomes Spencer's sponsor. He lives in a tiny studio apartment in Boston. He has few friends and little economic security. Most of his social interaction centers around his weekly AA meeting. 
As the poem goes on, we learn that Durrell's hope of an army career was dashed when he was very young, probably by some revelation of his sexuality years before Don't Ask, Don't Tell, years before openly serv- open service was a possibility. His army career was dashed. Durrell was estranged from his siblings. And Durrell tells the young man, I've whittled my life down to no one, Spencer, with the possible exception of you. The second theme that develops in the poem is Durrell's patience, his availability to Spencer as he is starting his journey of sobriety, as he is telling stories that go on far too long as young men's do. They spoke often, and Durrell mostly listened patiently, calmly, reassuringly. Durrell's patience helped Spencer continue the road of recovery. Durrell's listening helped the young man to make his steps, to make amends, and to stay sober. But the listening also helped the sponsor. Durrell gave his attention as an offering as a way of redeeming himself. Listening to the men he sponsored gave meaning and purpose to an otherwise small life. Durrell saw the people he sponsored in AA. He saw them and he served them. The poet reflects in one stanza, there are many causes for attention. There are many causes for attention. One of them, redemption. How often do we really pay attention? How often do we take ourselves out of the center to focus on the needs and hurts of our siblings, our coworkers, our spouses, our family, our neighbors? If we were to pay that kind of attention, I wonder whether we might catch glimpses Glimpses of the risen Christ already out ahead of us, already out there in Galilee, inviting us to join in the work, to heal and be healed, to proclaim God's life-giving news. Seemingly powerless love can't overcome loveless power. Life is stronger than death. Where is your Galilee? Where does the risen Christ invite you to go? to look, to listen, and to recognize him at work already ahead of you. You thought Jesus was dead. The stone has been rolled away. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He is not here. He has been raised. Go to Galilee. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Go. Amen.